Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, before we get into what's going to be a jam-packed, awesome show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group, the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. And when you sign up for a cleaning, x-ray, and exam over at Green Mountain Dental Group, they're going to hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. So they'll get your teeth on the right track. Then you can take care of them at home with your brand new Sonicare toothbrush. I've got one of those. I love it. It works great. Makes your teeth feel all nice and clean after you use it. Uh, And that's what Green Mountain Dental is all about is uh, your dental health. So check them out. Make sure you head down there. Schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and get that free Sonicare toothbrush from our friends over at Green Mountain Dental Group. dnvr and we are live from studio a here at the dnvr bar and the a stands for astronomical as in the broncos are interviewing an astronomical (laughs) number of candidates and guys today we are going to give you a breakdown of every single one of those candidates speed round fashion i'll tell you a little bit more about how that's going to work here in just a second but first i want to tell you about our friends over at msu denver msu denver is the presenting sponsor of this show and the single best place to go if you are looking to further your education online msu denver students work twice as many hours as students attending any other college institution and when you use the code dnvr you can have your application fees waved so check out our friends over at msu denver online my boys what is up i mean we were all talking before the show what a time to be alive this feels so exciting and it is because George Payton is putting together a heck of a list. He's reaching every corner of nearly every possibility you could think of, and I love it. Right now, we're up to nine confirmed potential interviews, and guys, we expect that list to jump over 10 today. Yeah, it's it's wild. I love the, the wide net being cast out, cast out. Right now, it's heavy on assistance in terms of confirmed light on former head coaches, but I think we're going to see... At least a couple of more more experienced names added to the list at some point, and 
I, I like this. We're going to see, seeing a diversity of thought, a diversity of philosophies on this list. Some of these are going to be picking brain interviews. Some are going to be legit for being the head coach, but it does not hurt to take your time and interview as many as possible, especially because you can do some of these over Zoom so you don't even have to travel. Exactly. Uh, yeah, here, you think that's funny in the comment section? That's like funny in the office. The comment section doesn't know that's a joke. Yeah, it is really. It, I, let's not forget, Ryan wanted Vic back. Yeah, that is not yeah. what happened. That is this not is what a happened. sad day for him. That's uh, now. Yeah, here. Thanks for bringing that up. Mace and I were so pumped to be talking about uh, this, yes. and Ryan yeah. was this sad sack over here. <clears throat> yeah, I love how many offensive candidates on there. I never wanted Vic Fangio back. I thought they might bring him back. I'm relieved that they didn't. You were pretty clear on Saturday that both both of you guys were trying to kind of warn people that this might happen. Yeah. And when I I, I, di I didn't have time to listen while you guys on guys were on live, if I had, I would have probably left a comment that said, "If I were there, I'd be telling you guys I still think this is going to happen that he's going to be dismissed." That would but have been that's nice. Okay. Uh, cause yeah. I, I, I think we were a little bit panic mode. I just the, the, the way. And forget about part that. of it was just kind we're, of we're yeah, moving yeah. on. From we're, move, or we're from moving. We're moving on. Yeah. We're moving on. But there was some buzz I kind of got wind of toward not long after the game to where that's where I knew I said this is almost certainly going to happen. Yeah, I, I just kept hearing, like, oh, they're still thinking about it. And I just well, thought, like, the longer you think about it, the yeah. more chance he has of coming we, back. We heard it from George Payton on Sunday, and a, quite, a, quite a statement he made about Vic Fangio, saying that he's the best coach he's ever been around. And I believe George when he said that. That's how, that's how much he really liked him. But it was clear. Vic Fangio was the leader of the defense. And the he players. was not the leader mm. of the offense, special teams, and was not the leader of the organization. And, and that is why George Payton, that's his number one thing, is leadership. Vic didn't mm -hmm. meet that. Now there's over nine candidates right now that potentially may. And George that Payton, night, yeah. so many people came out saying, I love the off-season pods. The off-season pods are so mm. exciting. And, man, George Payton came through for us yep. by mm. just making the first couple days of the off-season already this exciting and all of us were talking before the show just how energized we are mm -hmm. um not only just by the excitement of a coaching search but by the names on this list um you know there's been times where the coaching list was very slim you know i've pointed out that the broncos didn't hire or didn't uh interview sean mcveigh in that cycle they also didn't interview cliff kingsbury in that cycle so you know mm -hmm. this time it feels like all of the exciting candidates are on the list and so that what we want to do here is go through all of them Mm -hmm. But we got a lot to get through and not an <laughs> unlimited amount of time. So how this is going to work is I'm going to give out a name. One of you two guys is going to give us the quick breakdown of them. Super producer Kale is going to bring up a timer. We have three minutes and 30 seconds to talk about each one of these guys and just give people a quick idea. Who is this guy? So they can start to formulate their own opinions on whether they like this guy or whether they don't like this guy. Additionally, so you guys know that we're not leaving you in the dark here and, and going all in on some of these guys, whenever we get to the times when these people are interviewing, whether it's one a day, two a day, mm -hmm. we will dedicate a whole show mm -hmm. to talking just about that guy, more in-depth research. And then, of course, on the website... I'm going to be writing about every, an article about every one of these candidates. Gerard Mayo is already up. We're going to have another, at least one more today, but over the next about nine, 10 days, going to go through every one of these candidates, go through their resumes, their strengths, their weaknesses, et cetera. So 
Today's going to be the, the quick fire version. And then as time mm -hmm. goes on, we'll dive deeper mm -hmm. and deeper and deeper mm -hmm. into each candidate. Of course, then they're going to narrow it down to less interviews. Yep. We'll dive mm -hmm. even deeper into those guys. We'll have favorites that are going to change. We're going to update our big boards. We're going to update our predictor. And uh, it's going to be fun. Here's so. something you don't need to worry about. You're going to know all about these guys because this search is going to be long and we're going to be knee deep in it this whole mm -hmm. time. Like May said, on the website, ddnvr.com, but also on this podcast. All right, guys. Without further ado, the way we're going to do this is in order of when the interview was announced or the interview request nice. was announced. Let's begin with the one that Mace has already written a piece on. Uh, Patriots inside linebackers coach Gerard Mayo. Well, Go. as a coach, he has the thinnest resume. He's only been an assistant coach for three years. He hasn't been a coordinator. But this is a guy who's kind of on the rise. And when you hear George Payton talk about leadership and how important that is, and even Joe Ellis talking about kind of a leader for the organization, inspirational figure, this is Gerard Mayo to a T. He's been a leader Almost since the day he walked into the Patriots building as a player back in 08, became a team captain in just his second season, team captain the rest of his career, even was a leader on the business side, was was advancing in a healthcare in a, in a, for a healthcare firm, had made vice president, and then when Bill Belichick asked him to come back and coach, he took that job kind of to pursue a dream, see where he went. But he's been a leader every step of the way. Yes, the resume is thin. And he may need some more seasoning, but if you're talking about an organizational leader, not even just a team leader, that's the that's the attractiveness of Gerard Mayo. The question is, are you interviewing him for the head coach? Are you thinking maybe you bring him in as a coordinator because he's never called plays before and Steve Belichick has play-calling responsibilities in New England? I really like Gerard Mayo, but something you can't disagree with is he's the ultimate patriot. Uh, was a was a first round pick by the Patriots. Played with the Patriots his entire career. Stepped away from football, like you said, Mace. When he came back, only with the Patriots. He's been in one organization his whole life, and that's the Patriot way. And for the most part, when you look at the Patriot way outside of New England, it's it's rough. Yeah. It's not mm -hmm. very good. Now it hasn't like, worked as the Browns way or the Broncos way, right? right. Or even. Right. Some would argue the Dolphins way, even though I thought that did work. Now, Steelers the way is translated. The Titans way is the New England Patriots way in Tennessee is starting to work out. So that what I'm saying is that's something you cannot separate from him. And it is something that scares a lot of people. But if you're just going to say, I'm never taking a New England Patriots assistant coach, you're going to miss out on some good ones because there is a few. I think Brian Flores is good. Uh, obviously, Mike Vrabel, in my opinion, is the coach of the year. But that's something that is very ingrained in him. He is the ultimate Patriot. Yeah. And, and I do like this idea of interviewing guys who might be a, can a candidate for a coordinator position for you later. And maybe they blow you away. Maybe he just blows George Payton away and he says, I can't let this guy go. Yep. Um, the mm -hmm. Broncos have been playing a less aggressive style of defense. If he's anything like Brian Flores, you're getting a much more aggressive style of defense. You know, mm -hmm. when you fire guys, you often go in a different direction. Now they could go the opposite and just keep Ed Donatel around and keep what they have in place. I expect to see the Broncos next season bringing all sorts of zero blitzes and, and that sort of thing from an aggressive defensive coordinator. Yep, I, I completely agree. And Gerard Mayo, in terms of leadership, 
man, he is the ultimate leader in, in a very young career. Yeah, very young career. And that's why his staff would be interesting because does he look to veterans? I mean, like, for example, on the defensive side, does he set, does he try to bring Romeo Cornell you know, back, <laughs> someone who's connected with the Patriots as a defensive coordinator, and also to kind of help him through stuff? So the, if Mayo were the head coach, the key would be his staff. Who's he bringing in to support him because he would be learning on the job? You guys just talked me out of him in three minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that, that's uh, Gerard Mayo. Um, and that's about as good. I, this worked out great. I thought 3.30 mm -hmm. was going to be too short. Perfect amount of time. Let's move on to the odds on favorite here. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, former Super Bowl winning assistant coach as the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. That earned him and that tough defense earned him a job with the Atlanta Falcons where he went on and had a lot of success. And he's a defensive coach, but the biggest thing with him and the one thing we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about, leadership from a head coaching position, from a defensive coordinator position, and then the offense. He is not going to be Vic Fangio where he says, I'm going to strictly call plays on defense. I'm going to only be in the defensive uh, meeting room. I am going to also care about the offense and put a lot of resources into my, uh, my offensive staff who I care about. And my team is not just going to be defense first. We saw every single year but one, like Mace mm -hmm. pointed out yesterday, he had a top 10 offense in Atlanta. Now, it helps that he had Kyle Shanahan. It helps and that Matt he has and it's Steve Sarkeesian and Matt Ryan playing and Julio in his Jones. prime. And Julio Jones, absolutely. But still, he didn't ruin those pieces. How about, how about we say it like that? And he what did, did we see from the Broncos this year? A waste of guys, right. not it's, like Julio Jones, but very right. talented It's very players. true. And, and Dan Quinn, uh, he, they, the Falcons moved on from him, but he got the defensive coordinating job in Dallas, and only good things continue to come out about him. He's a very, very positive and upbeat guys so you know I like that here's the other thing also about Dan Quinn yeah he had Matt Ryan and Julio Jones they were never as good that offense was never as good on a consistent basis before Dan Quinn arrived and it wasn't and obviously after he got fired five he got fired a few games into 2020 it wasn't as good after that the five full seasons Dan Quinn was on the job top 10 offense every year and I mean really he went three for three on OC hires Kyle Shanahan they were still a top 10 offense with Steve Sarkeesian. They were a top five offense in 2019 in total offense with Dirk Cutter, the former Buccaneer head coach, coming over. So that's that's something that's an attribute. He is really good at identifying coach, coaches and coaches who are kind of on the way up or on the way back. Raheem Morris worked on the offensive side under him and also was a defensive coordinator for him. He had Mike McDaniel, a guy we may be talking about as a Broncos OC possibility down the line. Very good at identifying co identifying coaches who fit the staff, and that's key to leadership. Vic, frankly, failed at identifying his OC in 2020 and 2021 for Pat Shermer. I don't think Dan Quinn would. And, and people want to nail Vic Fangio for that and then don't want to give credit to a Dan Quinn for that skill exactly that's, that's a, a skill. skill it is identifying offensive coordinators identifying people that you want around you hiring coaches and then coaching those coaches is a skill it's not just oh he lucked into kyle shanahan and then everything fell apart after that which is a narrative that is out there that simply isn't true um the team wasn't ever as good after it but the offense like mace pointed out yesterday did stay together so hiring coordinators is a skill 
finding offensive coordinators is a skill. Being open-minded to forward-thinking offensive coordinators is a skill. Dan Quinn has them all. And what we have not seen, the skill that is so important in this, is being able to identify young quarterbacks in the draft and then develop them. Obviously, he would probably rely on his staff for that, but he would still have to have a big voice in identifying them, and then developing would be on someone else. There it was. Three minutes and 30 seconds on Dan Quinn. And I got to admit, guys, Dan Quinn, the more I learn about him, the more I like him. And I know the fans don't like him because he's hey, a three def- minutes and 30 seconds. What are you doing <laughs> here? No, 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 no. You I, don't get this extra 30 seconds. I no. Do. On to the next one. <laughs> I know the fans don't like it because he's defensive. I think there's a lot to like about Dan. I think he's still the favorite, too. He is. On to the yes. next one. All right. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll get to our favorites and who's mm-hmm. the favorite. Don't worry. All right. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Um, the other coordinator in Dallas and uh, a fan favorite for sure Kellen Moore. You can't deny the success that Dallas has had on offense with Kellen Moore. I mean, really, kind of the, the big question here is, is he is he ready to step in? I mean, there's there's some Sean McVay vibes as far as you'd be hiring the youngest head coach in the NFL with Kellen Moore, but I don't think you should be afraid of that on him. The question with Kellen Moore is this. It's not that he isn't an accomplished offensive coordinator. And Mike McCarthy has given him pretty broad latitude, even though even though McCarthy is an offensive guy, he's given him pretty broad latitude to run the Cowboy offense as he sees fit, and it's gone to another level with Kellen Moore being in charge of that. The question here may be, can you offer enough to extract him from Dallas because Jerry Jones prizes Kellen Moore in the same way that he prized Jason Garrett? Mm. As a as a coach that as someone that he believes could be the next head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, maybe you want to stay away then. <laughs> just, just, well, just, yeah. just kidding. He um, feels the same way about Dan Quinn too. I mean, yeah. both yeah. of those guys are. There's buzz that Jerry could make them the highest paid coordinator on their side of the ball, um, and higher higher paid than even some head coaches. There's a the big big issue though if your team not just the Broncos but any team that wants one of these two guys can't pry them away one if they can't offer them enough money to pry them away that's really bad now I know Jerry can afford anything for a coordinator but two and probably the bigger thing is having the opportunity to be a head Head coach coach. Dan Mm -hmm. Quinn this will be his second time around Uh, I'm sure he's really excited for it and Kellen Moore as well Uh, he's a guy that would have his first opportunity and get to be the next Sean McVay get to be the next wonder kid in the NFL. Uh, I don't Did you say Wonder th- Kid. Yeah, I don't not know what wonder, that is. But, not uh, Wonder Kid. <laughs> Ted Lasso. No, wonder, La- no, no Wonder Boy. Right. Wonder boy. Well, when you said yeah. Wonder Kid, that's a Ted Lasso reference. Oh well, there we go. Because yes. uh, Nate, Nate, Nate got confused. He didn't say Wonder Kind as he meant to. He said Wonder Kid. We're gonna need stoppage himself. time on here's, this. He, <laughs> Ted Lasso. And here's one thing that I really like about Kellen Moore is the leadership. We haven't seen it that much. Uh, but former quarterback. Typically, big-time quarterbacks in college, which he was at Boise State, mm-hmm. have that leadership skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one thing that I, I'm willing to say, yeah, you don't have the experience, but you have this, so it probably gives you a good nod to being a leader. Go ask a Boise State fan about Kellen Moore, and oh, you'll find yeah. out love about him. what a leader he is. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he definitely has the leadership qualities, and he is the one that excites me the most because he is the biggest swing for the fences, but also... Like I said yesterday, he's got this thing about him. I also really am confident in him being forward-thinking in terms of not just the way he calls the offense, but the quarterbacks that he's interested in. Um, I think 
you know, you had John Elway Why? wanting six foot five quarterbacks, and because he's a smaller guy. Okay. And I so like I think that yeah. he's gonna he's not gonna be someone who says, oh yeah, you know, six foot tall is too short for a quarterback. Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, you know, these are guys who are ruled out by the Broncos because of their size. I, I think that Kellen Moore could be opposite of that. He also could say, I struggled in the NFL because I wasn't big enough. We That's need true. big quarterbacks. That's true. And well, my only thing against him, he was given Dak Prescott. He was given so much talent on mm -hmm. the offensive side of the ball. I could have had success there, uh, but I'm sure he, he elevated them. He has an ID to quarterback. <laughs> Right. That's the thing. Yep. A lot of these guys yep. haven't, and that's Time. why I, I'm not going to talk about <laughs> oh Kellen Moore. Oh, my gosh. Oh, okay. I was going to say, um, a lot of these guys haven't, and that's why yesterday I put out, a, I'd like to see the Broncos interview Pep Hamilton, who was the Charger uh, on the Charger staff when they identified Justin Herbert mm -hmm. and developed Justin Herbert. Um, and to me, that that's something that I would at least want to hear from. Big part of Andrew Luck's development as well. Yes. If, if you don't have the quarterback, it doesn't matter who your head coach is. We've already established that. That's why I think a key part of your next head coach is mm -hmm. being able to identify or put a staff around you to identify that guy. Well, this guy, this next guy might be able to identify a quarterback that he really wants. Uh, plays on his team right now. It's Nathaniel Hackett. Yeah, one of the hottest names on the market right now. And a front, one of the front runners for the Broncos job. The Broncos did officially put that interview in for him. And he is a guy that has not only had success with Aaron Rodgers, which... Okay, I give him, you know, a golf clap for mm -hmm. that. But what he did in Jacksonville, which we discovered a couple of weeks ago, is even more impressive. Leading a top five offense with Blake Bortles and really playing to that team's strengths was really impressive. That could do really, really well for Javante Williams moving forward if Nathaniel Hackett is the guy. But then to get past just the football, Nathaniel Hackett, talk about energy. He is a guy that brings so much energy and passion, and he's a guy we, we've read some articles about mm. how he's able to cater to every single person and know exactly how to lead mm, an offensive lineman, know how to lead a quarterback. And right now it seems a pretty difficult task to lead Aaron Rodgers, yet I believe Nikki Javala had an article that said That's... he would be a fantastic head coach. He does not want to lose him because he'd be a fantastic head coach. And, man, if you're able to sign off and get Aaron Rodgers' approval, it really means that you're able to cater to every single type of person. And then, of course, he does have the Aaron Rodgers connection. But I'm going to stay by this. You cannot hire him with the expectation of getting Aaron Rodgers. If that's the reason you're hiring him, you need to hire someone else. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. Like The question is, can he ID a quarterback? Because he inherited Blake Bortles. Now, in Buffalo, he was the OC when they drafted EJ Manuel. And that was a swing and a miss. But that was, a, that was okay, we have to take a swing in a really bad quarterback yeah. class. I don't want to kind of use that against him. I do recommend, if you... If, if you can, read the Nikki Shavala article in the Washington Post on Nathaniel Hackett. Friend of because the program. It, it, dives, it really dives into how different he is, how creative he is in meetings in terms of explaining concepts, working in cultural references, really connecting with his, with his players, getting onto their level, and the way he manages individuals. Frankly, it's Bill Parcells-esque. He's the gold standard of managing to the individual personality and psychology of players, understanding that you can't have a one-size-fits-all approach to player management, and that's something that Nathaniel Hackett really understands, a great deal of emotional intelligence that Hackett possesses. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to get past the Rodgers connection as the most exciting thing about him. But I think if you read that article, you can mm -hmm. get excited about other things about him. Right now, he's the Rodgers guy, and he's a lot more than that. 
So I, yeah, I do encourage everyone to uh, check out the Nikki article. And this is a guy who could really, really be exciting regardless of the quarterback. And then, hey, if you get Aaron Rodgers, well, it doesn't matter what he does. He's going to look great. Exactly. He's going to have to identify other quarterbacks and a knock against not just him, but we have to put this in there, Jordan Love. He was part of uh, drafting him. And then on top of that, developing him. Jordan Love has looked really bad so far. It does not look like he's developed at all. That I don't want to put it all on him, but that's something that you have to acknowledge as well. Jordan Love could be a total bust because of him, or the coaching couldn't have helped out as well. But if we're going to give credit for a coach developing a guy, we also have to look at, at guys who didn't develop guys. Yeah, and who knows really how it's much. something out there, though. You have to take that into account. How much? He hasn't played enough to really get a read, in my opinion. I think the Packers would have moved on from Aaron Rodgers if they loved him. All right, yeah, you passed the buzzer here. We fellas. passed the buzzer. Um, <laughs> this is going great. I like this. I'm having fun with this. Um, before we move on to the next group of candidates, want to tell you about our friends here at the DNVR bar uh, downstairs. Uh, you gotta come check us out here. The best place to watch a game, Zach. Sorry, uh, last night's game didn't go your way. Yeah, um, it was tough. I guess sometimes defense does win championships, although it did help that they lost their best well, receiver. The they didn't have their second best it, receiver. It, what's, what's a bummer yeah. is you really pull for the underdog, and the underdog just wasn't able to come through. <laughs> but here's the thing. When Alabama has lost these games, remember they lost to Clemson a couple of times. Yep. What did Clemson have that Georgia had last night? An amazing front four and front yep. seven. Yep. I mean, I remember I think it was, it, was, it was when Deshaun Watson was still Clemson's quarterback, right, and they won and, yeah. and beat him. But it was that Clemson D line that stole the show. Like, of course. and every one of those guys got drafted, and that was what made me think that Georgia might get it done. Was Georgia's defensive talent mirrored the type of defensive talent, especially in the front seven, that Clemson had and was able to counter Alabama in the past? I think that's the key thing. You've got to be really stout up front on the defensive line. Have guys that can win their matchups, that can stunt, that can twist, and cause a lot of problems for Alabama's protection scheme. That's the kryptonite for Nick Saban's offense. What's crazy is it was a rebuild year, and they went to the national championship game. They're going to win next year. And really quick, a quick Broncos connection. Watching Will Anderson, and it, it's been on, on display this entire year, but specifically last night, uh, he's going to be the number one drafted non-quarterback in 2023, but he has a Von Miller jump, and I've mm-hmm. never seen that in a college player where Since it looks Vaughn. like he's offsides every single play, and he's not. It can he, actually be a detriment because a lot of times the refs are like, that looks weird. And Flag. Credit, credit to the refs last night they because they, there were multiple times where me and the yeah. announcers were like, was he off sides there? And then they went back and played it in slow-mo, and he wasn't. Can we say also, even though it was a rough night for Bryce Young, can we now say that between Will Anderson, Bryce Young, and C.J. Stroud, you have three guys for 23 who are better than anybody in 22? Yeah. And I that's guess. why, not to get into yes. a big take here, that's why I believe there should be a committee that players can appeal to uh, as to why they mm. should be able to enter the draft early. There's mm. no reason those guys should be playing college ball next year. They, they would mm. be the top three picks. They exactly. would. They in, really would. So all year. they're doing is just risking their careers by playing next year. I think it's silly. And you hate you hate to see Jameson uh, Williams go go out. Killed me. Yep. Um, anyways, <laughs> yeah. the DNVR bar, come check us out. Have the chicken sandwich. Have a beer to wash mm. it down. Uh, and, and have some great company around you when you do so. Today and tomorrow, you can get 20% off sexy pizza by going online and using the code 
sexy DNVR. They're giving our listeners 20% off to try their delicious, delicious pizza. You can't go wrong with any pizza. And they're also Colorado local native. We love supporting those companies and we love their pizza too. So make sure to check them out tonight and tomorrow to get 20% off by using the code SEXYDNVR. You know what? I had sexy pizza last night. Oh, oh how was I it? had pepperoni and garlic. Yum. Oh, it was really good. You're making me hungry. And yeah, I had a, sa- and, and by the way, try their Italian salad. Really good. Got okay. a little salami. Got a little salami on it, little pepperoni. They got to get some fresh grated mozzarella on wow. there, olives, some peppers. Oh, man, that was magnificent last night. You're killing Sounds me, great. It's not even 11. I mean, yeah, you know what? The thing is, the game, it got off to a boring start. I'm like, I'm just going to go get, get a nice meal here. And so watched the, watched the game, had some sexy pizza, and it was a very sexy salad, too. Mm, so, sounds so good. Check all that out. Also check out our friends over at Light Shade Dispensary if you want to get a discount. 25% off everything at Light Shade Dispensary by using the code DNVR. You shop online at lightshade.com, and then you can go in and pick up at any one of their 10 soon-to-be 11 Denver metro area locate location. So check that out. You can go to lightshade.com and and put your order in, pick it up at your nearest location, or go directly to one of those 10, soon-to-be 11 lightshade locations. They've got Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep 20 to 100 THC to CBD. If you need to catch up on some shut-eye after the big game, you can take those Wana Optimal's. You might find, hey, you're having trouble sleeping. Maybe, you know, right now, having trouble sleeping with all this talk about Coaches, coaching searches, and what we're going to get into with quarterbacks in the coming weeks and potential owners. I might need some of that. I think I'm going to check that out and get one of those fast asleep Wana Optimals, and I can get it at 25% off by using the code DNVR. So check out everything that they've got over there at Lightshade Dispensary and Lightshade.com. DNVR for 25% off. They've got 10 locations in the Denver area, like I said, soon to be 11. All right. Let's jump back into this, guys. Let's get the timer ready. Yep. And uh, this was a surprise one for me. Uh, and I think, Mace, this is your turn. Uh, yeah. Eric Bieniemy. A surprise. Like, I want to start yeah. saying Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. I want to get that in there. Offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. And obviously, we know the Chiefs' offense has been, been successful. A key thing here for this interview is that George Payton worked with Eric Bieniemy with the Minnesota Vikings. Bienemy was the running backs coach as Adrian Peterson got going when George Payton was there. So there is a connection here between between Payton and Bienemy. Of course, if you look at what's gone on with the Chiefs, it's been fantastic, no doubt. You got great talent, Eric Bienemy working hand in hand with Andy Reid the head coach has done has done a good job as OC. His he's not the play caller per se. Andy Reid has a lot of play calling responsibilities, although Bienemy is involved more and more over the years. And you could see on Saturday, a lot of a lot of Saturday's play calling, Eric Bienemy was at the forefront of he's that. He's got the, the sheet. He's got the sheet. He's he's relaying he's the one that's in Patrick Mahomes' helmet with with the call. So they've put more on his plate. If you look at him as a Kansas City assistant, yes, very qualified to be somebody's head coach. The problem is Especially around here, we look back at his time at CU a decade ago as OC under John Embry. As you know, RK, awful lot wrong with that program, but it, it was, was kind of disastrous. It was a tire fire. I yes. love that they are interviewing 
EB because it's 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 someone they absolutely should. He's one of the hottest candidates, one of the best offensive minds out there. There's nothing against him with that. But then you think about leadership and and everything. And this isn't just from things that you've told me, so I'm not just putting you out there. But uh, uh, everything I've I, I haven't heard anything about him, or I shouldn't say that. Uh, a lot of things I've heard have made me question his leadership. And if that's the number one thing George Payton is looking for, I find it hard that he's going to get the job. Now, people can change. A- yes. Absolutely, mm-hmm. that can happen. But just from what I've heard, when he's been in control, it's been a little bit of a interesting situation, so to say. Yeah, and you know, the elephant in the room here is that he's had lots of legal issues, especially in the state of Colorado. Um, at one point, it was banned from CU's campus for a year. Um, for an assault charge that was on him you know there's there's several things um, that I don't think the Broncos are going to go down that road after already hiring a former CU player who had a legal history in Boulder it just feels like it's not going to happen that's why I was surprised to see him on the list with that said people can change Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff was Mm -hmm. a long time ago but it just it, there's a lot of similarities there to obviously a, a, a very recent failed head coach hire in Vance Joseph, um, and like you said, you know he's not necessarily one of those people who is lauded for his leadership. Right, right. And, and oh, sorry. And, and and I will say a lot of his running backs in the NFL, I think would would tell you would tell you they loved him. I think a lot of his players at CU would tell you they had their issues. And that's when he had the most responsibility, the most players under his watch. Because in Kansas City, even as OC, you've got Mike Kafka, is also the pass game coordinator as well, who's kind of also working hand-in-hand with him too. This shouldn't be held against him, but one thing is he's got a lot of interviews and no jobs. You wonder why. Yep, for sure. Happened to Tony Dungy though a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. He interviewed for a decade. Nobody hired him. He became a Hall of Fame yep. head coach. I'm not saying that you should hold that against him. It's just an interesting question. Vic Fangio, another guy who got a lot of interviews and not a lot of jumps. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right, next one. Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator for the Eagles. Who? Uh, Jonathan Easy. Gannon. He, he is viewed, if you want to say <laughs> Kellen Moore is the Sean McVay route, uh, Jonathan Gannon is the Brandon Staley route, 39 years old, young defensive mind, and has only been a defensive guy. You look at every job he's ever had, only defense. So this is a guy who you would be hiring purely for his leadership. You wouldn't be hiring him because he's identified uh, a good staff before, because he's identified a quarterback before. He's a first-year first defensive coordinator. Before that, he was the defensive backs coach with the Colts. And before that, in a key right here, he was the assistant defensive back coach of the Minnesota Vikings for four seasons from 2014 to 2017. So big-time George Payton connections there. Uh, a couple of things. I saw a lot of Eagles fans and a lot of chatter for yesterday about Eagles fans saying, take him. Take him. Take him. Yeah, and to me, that's... Eagles fans don't like anyone. Well, that, that's also very true. <laughs> but to me, I'm thinking, huh, that's interesting. And the Eagles defense, up and down, they started this year very poorly. But then for a 10-game stretch before this past week, they were giving up 16.5 points per game. So for 10 games, the defense really came together. And then this past week did not matter. So that's why I didn't include it in this stat. But they gave up 51 points to the Cowboys. It didn't and matter they rested for them. They've rested, guys. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. That's why I didn't include yeah. it in that. But uh, So for the most of the second half of the season, their defense... Defense was really good. So this is a up-and-coming young defensive stud. Also, not only up-and-coming, but the other job that he had other than being on the defensive side, he worked as a scout with the St. Louis Rams. Mm-hmm. So 
He actually he had two has different scouting jobs. Yeah, he was college scout and then a pro scout. So he actually has personnel in his background, mm. which is something that I think is an attribute for him in terms of helping George Payton in terms in terms of putting together a roster. That this is a this is a positive for him. Yep. I mean, kind of the question on the question on him is, you know, similar to Ger- Gerard Mayo. I mean, Mayo hasn't been a coordinator. Gannon's only been a coordinator for for one year. And as recently as 2017, wasn't the DB's coach. He was the assistant defensive backs coach. Yeah. So does he, is it his time just yet? And then, like you said, with Eagles fans, it's interesting because we're going to get into another candidate later who whose defense appears unimpressive on the surface, but their team's fans don't want to see him go. Okay, so then so okay. then Brandon Staley, really quick, uh, he was a guy that was the Broncos' uh, outside linebacker coach one, one year, year with yeah. the Rams as a coordinator and then got the head coaching job. And, yes, he's made some questionable decisions this year, but I still overall think the Chargers love him. So that's why I think he's exactly that Brandon Staley. Well, Chargers. Vance Joseph, another yeah. guy, though, who was a one-year coordinator. Of course. Before. So Mike, not, Mike Vrabel was a one-year coordinator, too. But so I'm it's saying a, there's success. It's not That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's certainly yeah. also not the ticket to success. Yeah. Yeah, uh, with this one, this completely screams to me. George Payton knew him in Minnesota and said that guy's going to be a head coach one day. Now that he has the opportunity to hire head coach, I want to see what he's got. Or it's help him out. Yeah, that's the thing. I think also maybe like, hey, here's a chance to start getting his this guy on on radars. Yes, 100%. So, the coaching. Know, he world. hasn't had a head coaching interview. This is going to be his first. This is going to get him some attention, get get this guy's career going forward as he gets into his 40s. We're really fighting over these seconds at this point. <laughs> All right, uh, next one here. Oh, I guess we got one more second. Next one here is uh, another young coordinator, Kevin O'Connell from the Rams, the offensive coordinator there. Of course, this is the – he worked for Sean McVay. Ah, uh, yes. Yes. Does he have good hair too? Yeah, it's pretty he good does. hair. He yeah. does. He's got a great stature, 6'5", <laughs> 220. Yeah, if you, if you work for Sean McVay and you're handsome, <laughs> whew, you got a great chance. L.A. Yeah. is the place to be. Yes, it is. L.A. LA is the place to be, and uh, certainly we've seen – Sean McVay assistants have success, and that that's not something that is debatable. Like like Zach Taylor didn't have play calling experience working with Sean McVay. He's done very very well. You know Matt Lafleur. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, Joe he got, Burrow. He got Joe Burrow, <laughs> but to his credit, he coached Joe Burrow up. Identified sure, Joe course. Burrow, and and that's and that's the thing. Like just with Kevin O'Connell, he's kind of been exposed to that secret sauce, as it were, the same secret sauce that Matt Lafleur had, the same that Zach Taylor had. So is he the next to come out of, to come off of the Mc, of the McVay tree and flourish? I mean, he only, he has just the, uh, what two seasons as OC there. He was briefly the OC in Washington after Jay Gruden got fired. And there were some staff shuffles in 20, in 2019 only has been an assistant coach in the NFL for seven seasons and in the last two as OC, a non-play calling OC. But this is again about: Do you is he the next branch of the McF- of the McVay tree to bear fruit? That's more what McC- what O'Connell's about. Kevin O'Connell, I love this name, guys. Mm. I love this name. You like Kellen Moore? You love Kellen Moore? Yeah. I like Kellen Moore. O'Connell is my young up-and-coming offensive guy that I absolutely love. Uh, Sure, it can be held against him that he hasn't called plays, but that doesn't concern me because of how ingrained he is into the offensive system with the Rams. Get this, when Brandon Staley left the Chargers last year, he tried to bring O'Connell with him to be the offensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. So uh, Staley loves him, wanted him to be in control of the offense. McVay said, I'm not letting you go. 
And he could do that because he was technically the offensive coordinator. Now, he would have got a bump because of play calling, play calling responsibilities. And McVay did let Matt LaFleur go in order to do that. But McVay said, no, I'm not letting O'Connell leave because he is so ingrained. He's going to help me so much with Matthew Stafford. He doesn't call the plays, but he does more. From pretty much what, what I the research I did, he does more than any other offensive he coordinator script has week. done yeah. for him. Exactly. So I love him because he's got Sean, Mays, Sean McVay's stamp approval, Brandon Staley's stamp for approval and I think this guy is the next thing 37 years old former quarterback former pro quarterback as well exactly spent five years in the NFL drafted by the Patriots so if 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 I'm going to give the nod to Kellen Moore for leadership from from a quarterback standpoint I'm also going to give him a little bit of a nod as well where did he play San San Diego Diego. State third round pick back in 08 yeah how about that they used a third round pick when Tom Brady was balling on a quarterback (laughs) wow um all right yeah I'm really interested in him um, love just about everything about him other than just the fact that he hasn't had those play calling responsibilities, but maybe he doesn't need that. But again, he being with McVay, I think we kind of have to overlook that. A we do bit because of, because of the track record of success of McVay assistants moving on who, who didn't have that again, you know, the Patriots tree, the, the Patriots Belichick tree hasn't borne a lot of fruit. McVay's already has. I'm going to say one last thing. Here. Um, Sean McVay, when he got hired, what did he do? He brought in Wade Phillips to be his defensive coordinator. <laughs> Wonder if uh, our friend O'Connell here would be interested in the same thing. From everything Wade has said on Twitter, I think he'd be open for it. I think he would too. <laughs> I think Wade. I think Wade has one more chapter left in him. For a, team, I wanna, for a team that's smart enough to bring him in, I want to be a part of that chapter. Man, so it'd be his third stop in Denver. Yeah, any unblocked mace. There we go. There we go. I found out it was <laughs> it was one of those. You know, sometimes you can kind of mass block people. No, like, like they're they're like you can like you because there's like a response to it. Someone responded to me, and he just blocked everyone that was on that. Uh. And I kind of I I appe- I appealed to Judge Phillips, Judge Wade, and I'm back in the good graces we're, now. We're there back, I, baby. I'm back. A, talk about a three ring circuit guest. Oh my, oh, three yeah. circus, yeah. Oh my gosh, he'd be a blast. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Mace, I think you mentioned this guy earlier, teased him up a little bit in terms of a defensive coach who certainly does not have impressive defensive numbers but is a guy that for some reason the fans in Detroit want to keep around. It's Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator of the Lions. Yeah, I mean, Aaron Glenn is a defensive back all the way. Former first-round pick uh, in 1994, was a good defensive back. And then his whole coaching career has been as a defensive backs guy, was was with the Saints as the defensive backs coach before following uh, the staff to Detroit to be their defensive coordinator, first-year defensive coordinator last year. And this guy, everything I've heard about him is he has that leadership quality to him. Now, an older guy, 49, not old, old, <laughs> but compared to the other guys we've talking about, has some experience to him. Also has that scouting experience mm-hmm. to him as well. I think that's something George Payton absolutely loves to have have and a potential candidate like Ryan said the Lions defense not only were were the Lions bad last year their defense was pretty darn bad the second worst in the NFL so you're not bringing him over here because of what he's done in the NFL as a defensive guy it's who you think he is as a leader and who you think he can bring with him and the staff he can create yeah that's the key because on the surface Aaron Glenn coming from a defense that was 31st in points allowed 29th in first down rate 29th in yards per play, 29th in total defense. That's going to be a tough sell, especially that's his only year as a coordinator. 
you get kind of the, the same vibes as when you brought in Vance Vance. Joseph, a lot of only Vance a coordinator from from for one year in Miami, and it wasn't very successful. And so that's the kind of thing that that gives you pause. So what kind of staff is he putting together? You know, Dan Campbell, that staff was heavy on ex NFL players, like for example Aaron Glenn, even Anthony Lynn, who just got sacked as OC. He's a former NFL player as well. So. What so that's where you talk about the connections, like Zach mentioned. What kind of staff does he put does he put together with the connections that he's made around the league? Yeah, uh, I got to be honest, guys. This one gives me the least excitement. You know, if every mm-hmm. time I've read this name, there was a meter that went zero to ten, um, mm-hmm. this the meter just shook a little bit and then went back. Um, this this doesn't do much for me on on an excitement standpoint. Now. Maybe I'm convinced if George Payton says this guy is the leader, you know, but that is what they said about Vance Joseph too, not to compare the two guys, but there's got to be something more there that you can pull from to say this guy is impressive because of X, Y, and Z. And if you, if all you can point to is he's a leader of men, I'm going to have some red flags going up. Maybe, maybe they say leader of players (laughs) that that's what he is. No, but um, there is nothing that can sell Aaron Glenn, and, 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 and I'm sorry for that, but I am not going to bash the Broncos for interviewing anyone and everyone, yep. no matter what their candidacy, what their record is, uh, what their path is. I think it's great. The more people, the better. And I've had a lot of people ask me on Twitter, is there a limit? No, there's no limit. They, they mm-hmm. could interview everyone. Obviously, it just extends the process, and you might lose a guy by doing that, so that's why you wouldn't do that. Uh, but for me, I, I love that they're interviewing him. They cannot sell this to the fan base. They absolutely can't. There is, yeah, it'd be tough sell. The one thing that could intrigue me is this: John Elway was not good at evaluating his own position, quarterback, but he was very good at evaluating pass rushers. Yeah, yeah. Aaron Glenn is he good at evaluating quarterbacks? Because as a corner, he faced them, <laughs> and he has that scouting background. That's one thing that. I'd want to pick his brain. You'd be going it. on a limb if you did that. You've though. heard about going six to midnight. I went six to five thirty when I heard that name. So there you oh, go. Oh, <laughs> I see. It's a below the belt reference. Oh man! Oh, Shout man. out Manscaped. <laughs> yes. um, all right, last one here. Now there. Let me just clarify. There has been some buzz this morning about Doug Peterson and Brian Flores getting an interview. And then there was some anti-buzz against that. And there's been even more anti-buzz in the last couple of minutes against Doug Peterson having an interview. Mike Kliss coming out and saying that there is absolutely no interview set up right now. I need an answer as to why. Oh my gosh, me too. Me too. That's something we can talk about. Yeah, and that's if there's one disappointment that I have in this group of nine, it's that there's only one with prior head coaching experience. Yeah, and I would like to see some more. We could find out. We could see a tweet right now that says the Broncos have included an interview with Jim Caldwell to be their next head coach. Well, wow. Because they don't want to ask permission so right. it doesn't get out there. Exactly. There's no there's no reason for that to leak. But there's almost like an does Mike or does George Payton have something against Doug Peterson? Cause it almost feels like um when like Beth Bolin threw her name into the ring for ownership and all of a sudden there was all this like no way from all these right. different sources right. like coming out. Like to me, Right. It feels like there's some sort of grudge there. I don't know. 
not maybe not a grudge, but some sort of reason why the Broncos would want to shoot that down so aggressively. To me, it feel, if they really don't interview Doug Peterson, and to me, I think that would be a massive mistake because you're interviewing so many guys. Just interview everyone. Um, it, it, interview him. It would probably be because he knows something or believes some sources about how it ended in Philadelphia because everything else was good. So that's what I have to imagine they would be they would be pointing to. And that's the interesting thing with Brian Flores as well, because who's running the show in Miami? It's Chris Greer, who's worked for the Dolphins for two decades. Worked for, worked for the Dolphins when George Payton was down there as well. Yeah. And so, you know, we know how Payton has myriad connections that he's made over the years from places that he's worked. Certainly, if Payton talked to Chris Greer about Brian Flores. There was, the report probably wouldn't be positive because every indication is is that there was friction between Greer and Flores that led to the move that happened yesterday. Maybe when the Eagles knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs after the Minnesota miracle, is that what they call it? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Doug Peterson like flipped off George Payton going to the locker room or something. Or maybe, maybe mm-hmm. uh, he, as in draft day, maybe he wrote down, never Doug Peterson. Maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't like ice cream, George Payton. <laughs> Maybe. Dougie P loves him some ice cream. Uh, that's All my right. guy then. We got to hit our last one here. This one, the most surprising, the name that I would venture to guess 90% of our chat right now has never even heard mm-hmm. before this morning. It's Luke Getze, the Packers quarterbacks coach and passing game coach coordinator so nathaniel hackett's right hand and nathaniel hackett is matt lafleur's right hand and lafleur of course is the one calling plays, so he's kind of two steps down here which is interesting he's also been with the packers all but one year since 2014 took a year in 2018 to go be mississippi state's offensive coordinator which is his play calling experience was there how to go okay okay yeah but here's the thing that I think is really interesting. Some, I, sometimes, as the Broncos did with Vance Joseph in 2015, you have a head coaching interview, but you're thinking maybe this is a coordinator here. So Luke Getze worked for four seasons under Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy is now the boss of both Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore. Is this interview for Getze as a head coach? Or is it for maybe for him being a possible OC for either of those guys that are working under McCarthy I mean, right now? Or Hackett. Yeah. There's I, three I, guys. See, who, I don't but I don't think Green Bay would let both Hackett and Getsy go. But couldn't they wouldn't have they, a wouldn't choice. they both be getting promotions? Well yeah. they would they, be. they would be they would be getting they would be getting promotions, but the Green Bay, the easiest move they could say is uh, Luke, we're you're gonna be, him. you're gonna, promote, we're gonna promote you to OC. But now Luke could have the choice, though, couldn't he, to leave the Broncos if he wanted to? To leave the Packers, let's, yeah, yeah. Be, and, let's and, say he's yeah. closer with Hackett. Now. And the other thing is, in general, it's frowned upon to ra- it, teams don't like it when you take one and then you take a few others from that. What are you gonna do about it? I would, I was gonna say, I, I <laughs> yeah. wouldn't care if that's the guy that's, he wants. Um, I think I actually, that's why I actually think this is more about Quinn, about a Quinn. Or a Kellen Moore. Hire. And here's what I'll say: I hate that if that is the case. And the reason I would hate it 
is because this next head coach should be able to put together his own staff. And if you're interviewing guys that aren't under Hackett, because Hackett just makes sense. Hackett, to for him mm. to be Hackett's offensive coordinator, that makes a lot of sense. And obviously, Hackett, that's probably a guy he would want. So then the Broncos kind of get a head start on that. But if you're interviewing this guy, and then you're saying to Dan Quinn, well, let we like this guy. No, let, other way around. Other way around. I think it may have. I think that the the connection may have already been made through McCarthy. Oh, see, I think it's Dan That's, Quinn who's saying. But see, if it's yeah, if it's McCarthy, I, I, see I, what I you're think saying. Dan Quinn, for example, had, had and he and McCarthy talked about it, and they kind of and and maybe the, and for all we know, they've already had the conversations. They're gonna bring Getzy in, buy him a really nice steak, and say, "Hey, look, we're really interested in you. We think we're gonna go with Dan Quinn." He's also really interested in bringing you in as offensive coordinator. Well, then mm-hmm. what what are we doing? Then I don't like this whole coaching search because we all three yesterday said Dan Quinn is the favorite. I think we all believe that. We'll get into that in just I, a second. Yeah. But now if you're already building your staff for him on the first day, I really don't like that. I don't like it at all. I understand where you're coming from, 100%. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, I think that's where this whole thing is heading is – we're gonna do a big song and dance, and then whoo, it's Dan Quinn. <laughs> but you get, but then it's like, okay, you get Dan Quinn, you get the experience. But here you also tap into someone that Aaron Rodgers likes, right, exactly. And somebody who understands the and is and again, through Matt Lafleur, is part of the McVay tree. Yeah, I think that's the thing here is he's an outside candidate who also has some really high recommendations from other people on the list, and that's mm-hmm. why I hope they're interviewing him, not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. for other future head coaches but he would have he could be this week and that's the thing like most of these candidates we're talking about an interview next week but in the case of Getsy and Hackett you can get these interviews done this week all right this was awesome yeah um yes. I feel like that was a fire hose of information I hope you guys are paying attention closely sorry I know, to I your some, employers I know some people listen to it on one and a half times speed for this one you may have to slow it down to like 0.75 yeah. yeah by uh, the way I had never listened to a podcast at 1.5 speed until I listened to you guys on Saturday night while I was waiting for my dinner over at uh, In-N-Out when I was picking it up. It's a phenomenal experience at 1.5 <laughs> speed. For some reason, I can't do it. The warp that it does to the voices really Zach is me. crazy <laughs> at one and a half speed. That's how I hear him in real life. Um, all right. So with all that information on the board, It's time to update both of our boards, the DNVR Broncos coach predictor and our favorites. Where do you want to start? Big board update. Yes. The search 2022. (laughs) Uh, Let's start with who we think they're going to go with. Okay. Um, Does anyone feel compelled to change Dan Quinn from their number one? No. Until he, I mean, he was the third guy yesterday. No, no way. Yeah. No, no way for me either. Um, I'm going to... it's going to be really hard for anything to happen for me to knock Dan Quinn from number one. It might have to take him not getting a second interview for me to even consider taking him out of number one. I completely agree. He's very clearly the top of the class right now. Yep. Okay. Uh, now yes, here's absolutely. <laughs> I'm changing number two. Here's where some yeah. big uh, movement can happen. Doug Peterson, there is something there. I don't know what it is. If he's not getting an interview, we obviously have to take him off the list. Yes. Uh, he is completely off my board. Uh, yeah. Doug Peterson is off my board right now. And Who to, are you going to? To replace him in the Broncos' eyes, Nathaniel Hackett. Mm. Uh, not I, only do they have the interview offer him, but on top of that, 
Also, I think interviewing the guy below him is just a little extra boost. I have a feeling we're going to agree on this because I'm going that. I am too. I'm going Hackett too. He, to me, looks like their number one offensive. Um, And really, he's going to move up my rankings too, much thanks to that article from Nikki. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, for three guys, I'm curious if we agree on this one. The other guy in Dallas, I'm going Kellen Moore as number three. Yeah, I'm actually I'll go no no I'm I'm going the same. Mace? You can disagree. You can agree. You Don't know feel what? pressure either way. I think the guy who could really wow George Payton is Gerard Mayo. Oh, love this. I love that. So I'm going Mayo number three. That, that excites and me. And funny enough, that's who I'm going with number four. Yeah. Wow. Is Gerard Mayo for this. Uh leadership. He, yeah. He's got all of it. And remember, he was not scarred by Josh McDaniels. He has no ties to the Broncos when when right. uh, when Josh McDaniels came here and scarred him. And if anyone is going to give him give, give the Patriots another chance, uh, it's not it was never going to be John Elway because he came in to clean up that mess. And Joe Ellis is also tied to that. It could be. It could be George Payton. And the more kind of diving into even like the corporate background on yep. him. Yep. The Broncos are looking for not just a coach of players and coaches. They are looking for an organizational leader. Yep. And that just, the more I kind I, of, I studied him and studied that part of his of his background yesterday, it kind of clicked. And, and knowing kind of, even though Joe Ellis is not involved, certainly I think George Payton will keep Joe Ellis in the loop. And and Joe's kind of made it clear kind of what will we'll convey kind of what the Broncos as an entire organization needs. And Mayo is, kind of, is a, the kind of guy who I think can bridge gaps that exist between parts of that organization, between departments, football and non-football. I think, I think, that's, May- too, I think that's too much on his plate, in my opinion. I don't I, if he has the right staff. And again, that's where you want to say, say, see who are his coordinators I mean, I think you might see an old an old hand that's near that is at retirement age, like Romeo Cornell as an assistant head coach, for example, to Gerard Mayo. You might see some 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 guys that that are in there that really kind of help him. You know, the late Dan Reeves had Marvin Bass around, who'd been with who'd been with him before to kind of kind of help guide him through the early years with, with the Broncos especially. So if Mayo has the right people around him, I think he can work. Bill Belichick hates the Broncos. He's already sent one mole here. I'm not taking any more chances. <laughs> so who do you guys have it for? Uh, well, I haven't updated my three yet. Oh. And I'm really tied between leaving it how it is. I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave Kellen Moore there. Okay. Um, when I think of uh, leadership between him and I'll just say my fourth right now which is kevin o'connell um i guess i just give the nod a little bit to kellen moore knowing he's one of the uh at the time i believe he he was the winningest college player uh in history or college quarterback in history um that goes a long way he's a leader there Mm -hmm. he's been a leader for this team um he has that obviously the quarterback just like kevin o'connell but those two are like neck and neck for me it's going to come down to the interview which i'm not going to be in I'll keep it as Kellen Moore. He's the hotter name. And Mace, you sticking with uh, Morris? Uh no, unfortunately, that was. And again, that I put him on there because as a dark yeah, horse, yeah, totally somebody who I think should be on their list. But I'm I'm dis- I'm actually disappointed that he's that he's not on lists in the last couple in the last couple of days. But that's another story entirely. So 
I'm going to go with Kellen Moore for now. But we're going to update this every day, right? Yep. As, as often as we want. And I yeah. love this. Look how much has changed in a day. Wouldn't be surprised if uh, we're sitting here tomorrow. Hey, if Doug Peterson mm. gets an interview, I can guarantee you he's jumping back up on my big board. But as of now, no. All right, let's but go. Let through. me make this clear, though. I think Dan Quinn is the favorite to the point where I'd say it's 50% Dan Quinn, 50% yeah. the field. Yeah, I, exactly. Exactly. I, if I was DraftKings, I would set him at at least minus 200. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now let's hop over to our board right now and update <laughs> that really quick. If anything's changed in your mind, guys, we all had Doug Peterson <clears throat> as one. Are you guys going to change that on your individual board? Yes. Um, well, I still think he's one of the top candidates. Um, or if not the top candidate of this class, I just don't even feel like he's worth talking about anymore. So mm -hmm. that's how I feel. He's still my number one, but mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to hold on to a guy that the Broncos aren't even going to talk. about. Right. It's yeah. like, um, I don't know, like saying like Kyler, you want Kyler Murray when it was like a foregone conclusion mm -hmm. right. that the Cardinals were going to take him and you had no shot at him. And he still also, stays number well, one on your draft board, but you don't really talk. And about also John Elway had said he was too short. Right. Exactly. So I was like, hey, there's no point in holding on to this hope anymore. Yeah. I mean, I think that honestly, that's why I'm actually moving Dan Quinn up to number one. Of your favorites. Yes. So and, he goes off well, from off the list to number one. And here's why. When you look at some of the offensive coaches that are being talked about here, and there have been rumblings. I know Benjamin Albright has, has talked about this, that maybe it's Mike McDaniel coming from the 49ers under Kyle Shanahan working with Dan Quinn. We mentioned kind of the Luke Getze possibility, of, you know, with the Mike McCarthy connection there. And... I think that is those possibilities because you get Dan Quinn's experience. I think that's the most attractive setup that is realistically possible here. I got to be honest. I, like I said, when we were doing the quick breakdowns, I, the more I think about Dan Quinn, the more I like it. Um, it's not necessarily flashy, mm -hmm. but the Broncos don't necessarily need flashy. They just need good. Mm -hmm. And I think Dan Quinn could be really good. Um, so that I, I was the only one who had him on my list at all yeah. yesterday. Now he's moving up to number one for you. Uh, I'm taking Peterson out of my number one. Did you want to say something? Yeah, really quick on Dan Quinn. Uh, Mike McDaniel is a name we need to be talking about for the potential offensive coordinator job. If it's Dan Quinn as the head coach and Mike McDaniel as the offensive coordinator, I will be incredibly disappointed. Really? Because really? this is a situation that we've talked about, or, or not, not we, but that has been talked about a lot leading up to this week, even before this weekend. I know Benjamin Albright's been putting it out there. There's been other people talking about it. That means the Broncos just had their whole mind made up. And for all the credit that I'm giving them right now for having this expanded search, this think, this would be a show. I think you're underselling. Uh, uh, you, well, you're saying they're forcing McDaniel on him? or No, McDaniel worked for Quinn. Yeah. I, McDaniel saying, loves Quinn. I'm saying this or, whole thing would be, loves the, would be a show because they would have known from the get-go. Right, and George mm -hmm. Payton's like, I can do 11 Zoom calls to right. make it look and, like and, we did a And search. to me, it would just be, now maybe that's who they wanted all along, and if it works out, great, but... Why are we putting on a show then? It, it would disappoint me. You got to at least give yourself a chance to be wowed by someone and, mm -hmm. and, and think twice. Exactly. And, and I think that's what this would be is look, Dan Quinn's up here. All of you are down here. Mm -hmm. Show me how you can jump him. Right. And, yeah. and, but all this credit I'm given, I'd have to take some back. You, and you'd be absolutely right too. Um, all right. I'm taking Doug Peterson off the board entirely. I'm moving Kellen Moore up to number one. Hey. Mm. I am moving Dan Quinn up to number two. 
and I'm moving Kevin O'Connell ah, into my number three spot. You're stealing you want, my guy. You there. want the you want the McVeigh secret sauce, huh? I do. Yeah, just like so many women out there. Um, hey now, I want the McVeigh secret sauce. Um, I he's happily engaged. I thought. I'm sure he is. Um, I just he's been engaged for a while. I want. I want. If you're going with my, you know, my style, it's young. Mm-hmm. It's offense. I, I wanted Zach Taylor. I wanted Cliff Kingsbury. You know, those are those are my kind of guys. Who's the other one? Um, Kyle Shanahan. You know, like those are mm-hmm. those are my kind of guys. But oh, I have see, to acknowledge. Did you see with Kyle Shanahan yesterday though? What he said about how even he, young as he is, the references that he gives to don't hit anymore. He said he referenced wedding crashers. And nobody on the team got it. Oh my God. But you know what he does do? <laughs> he plays popular music all throughout the building. Yeah. He's wearing like Yeezys and Jordans. He connects with the players. So the players. In the important things and like the true culture things, Wedding crashers. He, he gets it. Wedding Crashers isn't withstanding the you're, test of you're time. Aging, no. You're aging yourself now. That's incredible. Um, I'm going Kevin O'Connell oh, as my I love number this. one. Oh. When this name came out yesterday, I didn't think they were going to go down this route. But when it did, I got so happy. I had a smile on my face the next hour and a half. I would absolutely love this hire. I love that they're talking to him. I think he is the next Sean McVay or, you know, offensive guru coming mm. out of there. And uh, I think he's got the leadership as well. Number two. What, really quick, what separates him and Kellen Moore in your eyes? Well, I'm going number two, Kellen Moore. Okay. So, yeah. so not not much. Um, what what I really like is just the the uh, being under Sean McVay, learning from him, and having Sean McVay just love him so much and give him so much responsibility. From what I understand, it's more responsibility than he's given any other offensive coach under him, and I think that speaks volumes to who he thinks he is. Uh, Kellen Moore, number two, and number three. I'm going Dan Quinn. Mm. Um, I I am getting more and more sold on Dan Quinn. Uh, I I just, you know, you want the young offense, but everything else that Dan Quinn brings is is really good. Well, on my list, Harbaugh is – uh, he's it looks like he's using this to get a raise from Michigan, which is what Shocker. I said from the yep. second so, the report drop. Yeah, ca- keep cashing and in there, Harbs. That raise, yes, Absolutely. ten years, hundred million. Congratulations. Even, yes. yep. Even though he's not on the Broncos list at this point, I am. I'm not moving Jim Caldwell from two. Oh, okay, fair. Love that. Um, you don't have. I mean, yeah, it, it can be your list the whole way through, and they never talk to a guy. That's yeah. fine. Okay, it could, it, yeah, it could be the list. I mean, I just more thinking about Dan Quinn is is why I've got him. At number one, uh, I mean, the problem is, you know, I've been consistent and I have to be consistent. I would rather have somebody who's been a head coach before. And that's why I look at these other names. I see some some bright minds, some interesting names, but I feel like there's going to be some first time mistakes for them. And so they, they all they all give me they all give me some degree of pause. The, you know, I'm going to put Gerard Mayo on there. Oh, nice! And maybe it's a little God, re- re- recency me. bias because I did a lot because I did a lot of research into him yesterday and uh, got yeah. g- got some good feedback on him. But I just I feel like he the thing that I, that strikes me is this: he's always leaned on people who know more than he does. Like he gets to New England, for example, and the first guy that he really kind of dives into to get to know is Teddy Bruschi, and he's he's somebody that has a thirst for learning from and being around more experienced people, I think Mayo would actually put together a hell of a staff Mm. of people. And and he would go putting together that staff, finding people who know more than he does. 
You know what the number and one And that's why I think he that's why I think he might be a real dark horse here, guys. You know the number one thing I like about Dan Quinn is that just none of these other guys can do and and it it's that he's not gonna be over his head. You can yes. guarantee that he will not be in over his head when he sets foot uh, on on you know campus, if you will, um, on the Broncos or you know in the Broncos organization, there is a lot of stuff in the in the Broncos organization that just needs steadying, and that is something that I just keep coming back to, and honestly, a reason why he might end up moving up to number one in my rankings at some point during this process is there's this ship needs a captain, and I don't just mean the football team this the entire ship needs a captain and an owner is going to come in here and be that too but there's still a lot of things just around that uh that worry me and i think that bringing in someone like this is not going to look at all these fires and say oh my god call the fire department they're going to say give me the extinguisher i got this and that's something that i worry with like a gerard mail where he mm -hmm. walks in and he's like Oh my God! I've been in the Patriots organization all this time, where all this stuff is just perfect. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I have to deal with that, 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 and that. But I'm just trying to coach football over here. That worries me about some of these guys, but, and, it, and it, yeah. it's not just Gerard Mayo. It's Kellen Moore and, and Kevin O'Connell as well. That is true, and and that's something that Dan Quinn can prove, as these mm. other guys can't. But that's also what George Payton's brought here to do. 100. So so that is big time on George Payton as well, and the GM and head coach have to work together on those things. Mm -hmm. And I just really hope that George Payton is already undertaking that. Yeah, I mean the whole Patriot thing is do your job, and You're part of yeah. part of that is don't try to do too much. Be able be able to trust people to do their job so you can do your job, and that's why I sort of and again kind of the corporate background that Mayo had as well after his, his playing career, I think he would surround himself with people that he could trust to do their job so he could do kind of the big picture coaching job. You, you really hope. Um, yeah. it's, it's just a question. Yeah. And that's one thing that I think is going to calm George Payton's nerves is he's not going to have to worry, how are you going to react to these types of situations and George Payton said it himself it's not just coaching that's the problem mm -hmm. uh, for the Broncos I think after this coach is hired you're going to see all sorts of changes uh top to bottom changes mm -hmm. for the Broncos and of course you know it's not going to be a George Payton's decision but an owner will be a part of that as well mm -hmm. yeah. um, one thing I can say is I don't think Mike Zimmer is going to be the coach I know there are fans that are no. worried about that did you see some of the stuff coming out from Eric Kendricks yesterday mm -mm about uh, like now that Zimmer's gone, you know, the honesty, the honesty switch turns on, said that there was a fear-based mentality mm. in that organization. Speaking of things coming out after a guy is gone, and I actually heard this Friday night um, or Thursday night, um, right before Vic Fangio was out, was he had a real, real problem calling plays in time. Mm. Um, too much thinking, too much scrambling, too much, you know, trying to think of stuff. And I, I, and, and so essentially he was getting in play calls at the very last moment that they possibly could. And then the defense was scrambling. Yeah. And this was something that drove defenders crazy. And the other thing is, especially in pressure situations, game situations, look at that Raider game where the decision to go for the field goal wasn't made quickly. And we saw how upset Brandon McManus got. And That's I thought Brandon a, yeah. McManus was in the wrong there, but I think it might have been a the, symptom of it, 
that type of stuff building up. I com- I'm completely on Brandon McManus's side on this. Because send him out whether it's a defensive play call, left, yeah, twenty five yeah. seconds is when right. he said. I mean, come on, that's enough. Time. Yeah, you've got to you've got to be quicker. You've got to a lot of these things, especially in terms of game management. You need to have these decisions Three made in your mind ahead. before. Like okay, and and that's something that he failed at, and that's that was a chronic issue for for Vic Fangio that wasn't getting any better was in game management and administration. It just always seemed from a distance, and then what you're saying up close with the late play calls chaotic and you know what that's why we always said he should have at least tried coaching from the box yep exactly because you're so much more you got everything laid out in front of you it's Mm -hmm. it's so much calm there's not distractions behind you with the players you know arguing or whatever um i thought i think that is something that one day he'll look back and say why didn't we just try it i agree yep because he just he didn't want to lose that perception as the head coach. Lame. Um, all right. So if a lot of changes are going to be made around, they're going to have to make a lot of phone calls. Maybe George Payton can save a few bucks by using Mint Mobile. You can save a few bucks by actually more than a few bucks by using Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile is revolutionary in the sense that they said, let's just take out these in-person stores that cost us money, and then we have to charge the customer more money. We'll go all online. And this way we can offer customers deals as low as $15 per month. And all of their deals come with unlimited talk and text. You just choose how much data you need to use. And obviously that will determine your price. It's delivered to you on the nation's largest 5G network. This is a legit product. All you do is sign up for Mint Mobile online. They will deliver a SIM card to your house. You pop that thing in, boom, you're working on Mint Mobile. All of us have tried it. All of us use it. It's great stuff. Check out Mint Mobile. And check out our friends over at Strava Craft Coffee, where not only is it delicious coffee that packs a CBD punch, and CBD can help relieve aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on with your body can help relieve. But on top of that, some people say it gets rid of the coffee jitters. You can have as much coffee as you want and not feel the jitters. That's a great way to start off your day. But they're offering another two-in-one punch. If you use the code DNVR25 over at StravaCraftCoffee.com, you'll get 25% off your first order of this delicious coffee. And then after that, if you go on their website and subscribe, you'll save 20% on every single order after that. And you can even have it set up where it's shipped to you every two, four, six, eight weeks, or however often you want. It'll show up at your door at 20% off forever. So make sure to check them out over at StravaCraftCoffee.com and use code DNVR25. And if you do want to check out Mint Mobile, I needed to mention uh, mintmobile.com slash DNVR. Check out all their options that they have to offer there. All right, guys, let's jump into questions here. And I believe we have a few super chats to hit before we jump into the ones on the website. Uh, this one from Mr. Stew Meat. This is a super sticker. I'll describe it for you guys. Uh, always fun here. Uh, hippo character with stars growing in his eyes, pumping his arms in the air with the word hype pulsating above him. Interesting. I feel I love like it. that hippo. We're all hype mm-hmm. right now. Yep. <laughs> All right, next one here uh, from Jared Barton. Not sure I'm sold on Doug Peterson, offensive-minded coach, only had one top-ten scoring offense with the Eagles. Uh, Once OC Frank Reich left, they only regressed. Is that cause for concern? I just don't think it matters. The Broncos aren't going to entertain the guy. We we don't Mm -hmm. even have to worry about Doug Peterson now. Yeah, I mean, it is. you have to look into all this stuff when you're making those types of decisions. Yeah, I mean, you're you're concerned about Carson Wentz regressing, although, as we saw – down the stretch at times, Wentz didn't exactly light the world up in Indianapolis this past year when he got back with Frank Reich. So. Yeah, and, and there's like reports of, you know, Wentz and Peterson not getting along. 
the more you learn about Wentz, the more you realize he's not this like happy-go-lucky guy that he made himself out mm-hmm. to be during the draft process. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. And, and Peterson could be the same way. Hey, mm-hmm. sometimes That's why uh, I'd want to interview the NFL can change a guy. I mean, do, you know, Carson Wentz went from North Dakota to Philadelphia. Yep. Hey, I like Philly. We all like Philly. But that can change a man. It, it, it definitely he, can he, and probably did, did. Didn't he marry a Philly girl too, I think? <clears throat> I don't know. I think, but so. I I think it's so. possible. I, yeah, not so. <laughs> All right. For what it's uh, worth. You want to jump into questions from the listeners now? Yeah. Bronk Euler says a lot has been said about which side of the ball the next head's coach will be from. And while I think that element is a bit overplayed, there is something to be said for a defensive coach being able to consistently keep a strong offensive staff. If we bring in a head coach and, off, and his offensive coordinator gets, gets things turned around for our offense, that OC will likely get head coach offers as high-performing OCs are getting promoted a year or two after. After an offensive play call at head coach that can maintain that standard and the schematic continuity throughout their tenure is a huge advantage. It doesn't matter who the the offensive coordinator in Kansas City is because Andy Reid is their play caller and he isn't going anywhere. Same for the guys like Frank Wright or Cliff Kingsbury. Sure, Quinn hit on Shanahan and a lesser extent Sark, but those guys had quarterbacks and head or like quarterbacks and head coaches aren't falling off trees. And I'm not super confident that any defensive coordinator can consistently hire an offensive coordinator every two or three seasons that works out. Uh, I think it's a really good point. It's my number one concern with hiring a defensive mind is even if they bring in a great offensive coordinator, there's a chance they're gone in a couple years. And even if you nail the hire again, it's likely that you're going to have to change your scheme in the process. I am. That's a great problem to have. Mm. If you get to that point where your offense is that good, probably have the quarterback in place. Very true. Probably do so. And you hope that you're also developing guys below Mm -hmm. him so that if that offensive coordinator does leave, the quarterback coach can step up. Well, that's the whole thing with Green Bay, right? You have LaFleur, and then you have Hackett, and then you have Getze. And if they lose Hackett, well, then Getze probably moves on up to that that role. In in Kansas City, if this is the cycle where Eric Biennemi gets hired, Mike Kafka just slides right into that spot. Yeah. Simple. Yeah, and that's the thing when you have the offensive coach. Yeah. But when you lose Kyle Shanahan and you got to mm-hmm. go hire Sark, like that's a mm-hmm. you're making a change there. Um, there's maybe some um, unless you're but you're continuing to develop. I think down below, like let's say you hire Dan Quinn and you hire Mike McDaniel, and then the next hopefully you've got the next Rich Gangarello is your offensive uh, or your maybe your he's your pass your, your pass game coordinator, and then then Scangarello with a second shot proves more worthy of the gig than he did the first time yeah i mean there's all sorts of stuff tc mccartney is a guy you know that yeah. you could bring back and where's tc right now by the way uh, he's in cleveland okay yep still, um, so he's still in the uh kind of in the kubiak shanahan exactly that's orbit right exactly that's kind of why i brought yeah. that up um and he worked with mcdaniel in uh, mm-hmm. san francisco so there you go uh next one from orange is the new sack I have faith in George. I really do. I love the candidates he's set to interview. Just not a fan of the idea of Biennemi for obvious reasons. And Jim Caldwell does scare me. Perhaps that's just because I'm so used to seeing him with a lion on his hat. Yuck. (laughs) I'm a fan of Brian Flores. Not sure why Miami let him go. He was winning and players respected him. Also, thanks for the great coverage all season, boys. Love the new camera angles on the live pod. Looking even more professional. Shout out to Mm -hmm. super producer Kale. That was all his idea. And he's on the switchboard back there making it all work, making it look pretty. Yeah, big shout-out to Kalen. Big shout-out to you, Orange is the New Sack. Next one coming in from C. Fillmore. Can I just add one thing? You surprised no Brian Dable on the Broncos list as he's starting to pop up for a lot more jobs. Mm, There's just been something with him where he just hasn't gained traction, not just 
this year, but the past couple of years. I mean, a little bit now, but still. Surprised you wouldn't have the conversation, though. Yeah. Especially given his successful Scout development and, develop. and identification of Josh Allen. Yeah. Yeah. The Broncos interview Sean McDermott? No. Uh, no. So there's another one that was successful that they didn't interview. More and more reasons why I like that. And that was an int- McDermott was interesting because that was a kind of a, a two-step thing for Buffalo where McDermott, they bring him in first, but he made it clear the general manager he wanted to work with was Brandon Bean. Mm-hmm. They waited until after the draft to make their move on then-GM Doug Whaley and brought in Bean. Both of them came together from Carolina. And that's where the whole thing of Peyton Quinn, even though it may have taken a little longer to work it out, that's where the whole thing you kind of you think about two people who kind of had an idea they wanted to work together before and being on the same page. Very much kind of like Lynch and uh, Kyle Shanahan. You too. need all sales pointed in the same direction. Right. And that's something that you would likely get with Quinn. Yep, exactly. C. Fillmore72 says, Gentlemen, greetings from the UK. Just looking at the 2022 schedule and see that once again, we have a road game at the Jaguars. That's Jaguars, Zach, not Jaguars. And Jaguars. <laughs> Surely it's time for the NFL to ask the Broncos to have a game in London, right? Hope to see you over here come November for a special DNVR tailgate on tour with the British, Irish, and European part of Broncos country. Bring the Breck Brews over on the plane. You can't buy them over here. Cheers to all the DNVR family around the world, Christopher. Fingers crossed, mm-hmm. um, and that would be amazing. Also, hopefully, um, the pandemic is a little more you know yeah. controlled by then, and um, everyone can go and just live it up. Because we, if the Broncos win, the Broncos get a London game. We are going to do it big. Yeah, oh, yes. I'll tell you that. So here's like who the Jaguars have, by the way, for uh, for next year as the. So one of these games is going to be in London. Obviously, divisional opponents: Houston, Indianapolis. Tennessee, Denver, Las Vegas, Dallas, the New York Giants, and the Baltimore Ravens. I imagine the Jaguars would say, "We're not. You're not taking that Cowboy game from us." Mm, right, because right. Cowboys fans are everywhere. Right. So you start thinking of who's an attractive opponent that maybe they could sell. See, I could see like, and, and they may not want to lose a Giants game because the Giants have a, a decent fan base. But I could see New York. Just they're a bad team, but it's New York. Or I could really see the Raiders getting that. New York call. would be another they're, one that they'd want to hold on. There's right. so many New Yorkers. In I, I think I think the one the league may look at is the is not the Broncos right now, but the Raiders. But the Broncos had a game that was taken away from them, so the league kind of owes yeah. them one. They do. They'll get it in the next few years. <laughs> yeah. But I but also don't forget the with the uh, the international marketing, the Broncos chose Mexico. Oh, right. As a secondary market, not and they and I was inter- It was interesting that some teams had three or four markets. I thought the Broncos would also do a Euro- European market, and they chose not to. They chose to focus all entirely on Mexico. I would have liked to have seen them say, "Hey, let's go Ireland. Let's mm. push our brand in Ireland." It makes sense. So, so many yeah. teams on the East Coast probably wanted to focus on but you had some west coast teams that focused on europe as well yeah Yeah. it's really interesting mexico city game count me in on that as well Mm, Seven thousand feet love it yes all right uh from some people call me the space cowboy on youtube nfl throwback has a great video of the evolution of quarterbacking they describe six trees of quarterback style playbook master aikman Otto Graham. two the arm branch marino uh bradshaw three the prototype manning unitas four scramblers murray wilson young 
Five, Precision Passers, Breeze, Warner, Montana. Six, Backyard Bomber, Mahomes, Favre, Elway. Seven, uh, Barrier Bruiser. Buster. Oh, oh, Barrier Buster. Um, Briscoe, Moon. Eight, Dual Threat, Jackson, Newton, Vic. Based on these categories, what type of quarterback would you like to see on the Broncos next season? I predict Mace would say Prototype, Zach would say Playbook Master, and RK would say Scrambler. Well, so what's the I mean, what's Prototype? I feel like that's just see. It's I, like the tall, like classic pocket. But passer. I think those prototypes also fit in as precision passers. I think it also fits in with playbook master. Yeah, see, <laughs> I, but it's definitely but, overlap. But the thing is, playbook master, prototype, and precision passers. What those have in common is those are guys that are really strong mentally. Right, and and that's that and that's what I'm looking. And that's me too. To me, baby, for everything starts with the brain. For a quarterback for me yeah um i would actually probably go backyard bomber um uh, i need the guy who just makes big plays off the script you're you know you're in a two-minute drill obviously elway the king of it um just running around finding open guys making plays that's that's the type of quarterback i want because i feel like the bigger the game gets, the more you need that. Yeah, you enjoy Brett Favre's interceptions, my friend. Yeah, I, I don't want Favre. Give me Mahomes and Elway. Yeah, well, yeah, he's in there, though. Uh, I like that question. But Mahomes is also a precise passer Yeah, and who a is a playbook, playbook master. master. That's what I mean. There's that's, why, that, that's why he's such a unicorn is he doesn't just have it here. He's got it here. Yep. yep. Just like Elway. Yeah. Yep. At Bronco and SF says, seeing all the interview requests has me so excited. This feels different than previous Broncos head coaching searches and approaches to the game. Youth, analytics, diversity, modern football at its finest. I don't see Doug Peterson on the list. Think he's coming or not? Nope. Doesn't seem like yeah. it. <laughs> Antonio Acosta says, a coach we don't hear about and even a possible connection to the future ownership. What is Jim Caldwell doing nowadays? And can it, in any chance he could be a candidate? The guy took the damn Lions to two playoff appearances in four years. That, yes, the Detroit Lions. That's like saying you beat a Tesla Roadster with a Kia. Also, on another note, what are the odds the NFL changes to a, uh, changes overtime to eliminate times? You had two teams seriously consider a tie for playoffs. Here is my idea. Each team guaranteed one possession via kickoff to attempt and score as they see fit. Touchdown or field goal. Safety at any time ends the game. But after unsuccessful fourth down field goal or turnover on first possession, there is a kickoff for the second team's possession. If game is tied after this, we go a new NCAA rule. Two-point conversion play until there is a winner. I like everything except the whole thing of kickoff for the second team's possession. I like. I, I do like the fe- – I wish the NFL would guarantee – each team one possession. That's the number one thing for me. That's the thing that needs to change. Even if you get even if you get a touchdown, the other team gets an opportunity because like in that Chargers Chiefs game, you know, oh they're like, oh well they should have they should have stopped the Chiefs. What you're saying is because of the coin flip and the Chiefs drove and scored half the half the players, Charger Chargers offense, Chiefs defense had no say in the overtime result. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Just give every each team one possession. And then after that is sudden death, and if the ten minutes expires, then you go to college style overtime, which to me is the equivalent of penalty kicks in soccer. You're just saying the two la- point conversion. No, or, I'm or saying the whole thing. I'm saying twenty five yard line, but you can't go. You you can't go for one. You can only go for two. That's where you lose me on that one. I love it. The players will never go for it that on something that can go that long. 
Um, so I don't think you can eliminate the tie entirely, but I think you do need to go both team gets a possession no matter what. Um, I just don't think that the, the possibility of a game of players getting 25, 30 more reps in a game is not something they'll sign then on. Then why are we saying any overtime in the regular season? Why don't we just say if it's tied at 60 minutes, it's, it's a tie. That's it. Well, and then also, I mean, why, I are, we, why are we adding more games? Because another game adds another well, 60, course. 70, 80, mm -hmm. 80 plays, and they signed well, the off on it. The players don't want to do that. Justin yeah. Simmons made that very clear. They do like yes. the paycheck, though, that comes with it. Uh, and on top of that, I... You don't get more paychecks for more reps in overtime. That that's true. That's, that's true. true. Um, I would love college overtime from the forty. I, I would love that instead of the twenty five. Yep, twenty five is a little too easy for NFL that's, kickers. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You do it from yep. the forty, and I would absolutely love that. My my thing yeah. with Jim Caldwell, uh, and I guess my question for Mace is my my biggest concern with him is the past four seasons he's been out of the NFL for three of them. Yeah. That what? Oh yeah, Dick Vermeil was out of the NFL for fourteen seasons. How long ago was that? Uh, it was in the late '90s. He won a Super Bowl. Yeah, that's I mean, just. I just would prefer someone that's still around, and that that just. I, again, I don't. Yeah. I'm not saying I take him off my list. That's just something that's interesting, concerning. Why isn't he around? Sometimes some space can give you a different perspective, and I know that there were there there, there, year, there like were there were something. health issues involved. He's fine. He's he's in good shape now, and so I, and that I think is that's part of the reason why you haven't seen him pop up for three of the last four years as well. Bruce Ar I mean, Bruce Arians went and, and did broadcasting and then came for a year and then came back. I don't. For, that's what I said, for I, a year. Yeah, and Doug yeah. Peterson did it for a year. These yeah. guys do it for a year. I Again, I'm not yeah. taking him off my list. Yeah. I'm not trying to destroy him, but that's he hasn't coached. He hasn't been a head coach since 2017. Yeah, I mean, has that much changed? I, I, I feel like I it has, so. yeah. yeah. No, I see the game was already the, – the change, I think, happened in the early 2010s. I think at it's been, some point the, the game is pretty. The game has kind of stabilized in this air centric era over the last six or seven years, and Caldwell was in Detroit as as part of that. I I, I don't think he's that far removed. From I it. feel like since twenty six twins since twenty seventeen, you went from coaching millennials to coaching Gen Z. And I think that matters. It's true. Yep. Um, okay, this one's from the Sobe brothers. I think we've got time for one, maybe two more. Uh, greetings, gentlemen. We would like. To aggravate the Kirk Cousins controversy as ourselves are split in opinion. This is the Sobe brothers here. I love it. I love it. Old Sobe is pro-Kirk. Younger is anti-Kirk. Kirk Cousins seems like a true uh, Rorschach. Rorschach. Rorschach test. Yeah. The ink blots. Right, right. I knew, that, I knew what it was. I just didn't know the pronunciation. Uh, and we would like to hear more of your cases both for and against him as the next Broncos quarterback. On a related note, each of you answered this question. Are wins a valid statistic for QBs? We apologize if you've answered this question before. We've only recently discovered the pod. Okay. Kirk really Cousins is an entire podcast subject onto himself. Yes, it is. And at we, some and point. we will do that. <laughs> for me, uh, he's just too corny. Um, he's, <laughs> and he's too expensive. I mean, mm -hmm. on top of both of those things, he's not a winner. And so mm -hmm. that goes to quarterback wins. Mm -hmm. And uh, absolutely, quarterback wins are a stat. And I know Mace completely disagrees with me. It's the most important position in sports, the position that has the most power in all of sports. And yeah, I'm fine with no offensive tackle win and loss because they don't control it. The quarterback controls it the most. Now, do you also realize that there's other factors? Of course you do. But I think if a quarterback plays long enough, that stat definitely matters. I don't want to take this in a direction that is going to inflame everybody. 
or a certain percentage of the population. He's about to inflame me right now. <laughs> but one th- one of the things that's kind of come out as we've learned more about the Vikings and what went down, I mentioned the stuff that Eric Kendrick said about kind of a fear-based organization. Well, from Mike Zimmer's perspective, one of the things that frustrated him was the number of players that did not get the vaccine. Part of that coming from Kirk Cousins' position of leadership in the locker room, implying that there were guys who didn't want to fall afoul of Cousins as a locker room leader. And Zimmer talked about like how some of these guys, what they're what they're what they're consuming on this is out there. And I think that and I and every indication is a lot of that started with the quarterback position. I think we may be in a kind of a spot where Cousins is not a wise play for reasons that go beyond football yeah as for quarterback wins i fall somewhere in the middle here no um, you gotta be for it or against it do I, you look at the stat george payton appears to be for quarterback wins because when he was evaluate when he was talking about drew lock on sunday yeah. the thing he mentioned that he, you know didn't turn the ball over but didn't win yeah, f- yeah so for me there's like a cutoff period here where i'll say you can't give mediocre quarterbacks credit too much credit for winning when it's all about the defense or the running game. But uh, there's never been an elite quarterback that wasn't a winner. And so you have to, uh, you know, take that into in consideration. I almost would like call it like the Archie Manning rule or something like where he's like one of the only ones where I can say if he was in a better situation, he would have been a winner. It's not his fault. So you just, it's a, it's a piece of the puzzle. I absolutely acknowledge it. I don't throw it away. But I, I don't want to make too much of a big deal. Out on of it. top of that, though, Ryan, let's say you do have a middling quarterback that's on a great team, and so he has a really good record. How how often does that get sustained for ten years? I mean, it doesn't happen. It'll mm-hmm. happen for one or two years, and then the team falls apart because yep. you have to have that quarterback. Mm-hmm. And then, so let's say that if if that team continues to fall apart, then that quarterback's record is going to also fall apart. Let's say he gets benched and he only played twenty four games, and he and yeah. he had a seventeen and seven record. Well, it's clear that he only played 24 games because he wasn't good. And you have to evaluate it in the big picture as well because, I mean, there were three consecutive years with Drew Brees at quarterback that the Saints went 7-9. and nine. Yep. But – he ha- Yes, he'd won in, in, the, that, in the past, but it would have been foolish for the Saints to move on from, from Brees after that. So you have to kind of look at what's – or what's around and did the quarterback elevate that team over what it was See, the saints had had so had so little talent at that point that it was clear that breeze was the reason why they were still competitive even though if you just went rock win loss record well they've had three losing seasons with breeze yeah but then but then you have to look at the that's cherry picking a couple of individual seasons if you look at drew breeze's entire yeah a couple a, Three, yeah, sure. a few. A, a couple is two. It, oh, okay. Three, a few. <laughs> if you look at Drew B- and you don't cherry pick and you look at Drew Brees' entire thing, well, there's no question. Of he's course, a winner. Of course yeah. he's a winner. Yeah, the one, like, what about Matt Stafford? You holding it against him that he couldn't, couldn't, uh, you know, have a winning record in uh, Detroit? Yeah, I am. Zero playoff wins. And we talked about it when a, a year ago when the Broncos were potentially going to acquire him. Something mind-blowing like 8-40 or 8-24 against teams with a winning record. Yeah, if you're a damn good quarterback, you make that closer to 500. But I mean mm-hmm. that that is a good case though. He is not he's a better quarterback than his record would suggest, but I think for the most part if you look at these, it, it does even out. Yep, I think uh he had a win over the Cardinals earlier this season. It was the first time he had ever won a game that against a team that had 10 wins coming into the game. 
That's wild. Yeah. Great quarterbacks can how, elevate occasionally. But how many opportunities did he have, though? That would actually be worth looking at. And how many like of Packers, and how many yeah. of them were like playing the Packers with one of the three or four best quarterbacks in the history of the sport and getting beat, for example. Like, remember, I mean, they lost a game to the Packers on a freaking Hail Mary at the end. Right. And how, this is, is that on Matthew Stafford? But no. that's what I'm saying. That's just one thing. If you look at the whole picture, I do think it's a good stat. And Mason and I will never agree about this. And well, that's totally I, fine. Well, yeah, because QB wins to me aren't a stat. Right. Teams and, win. Teams and win I'm games. somewhere in between you guys. Mm. I think it, it's something that you can't ignore. It's something that you can't pay too much attention to. And even like coach, I mean, coaches matter greatly. And we talk about the record of the team with the coach. But at the same time, as I pointed out last night, you know, if the Broncos had focused on John Fox's last season, it went to it was two, in Carolina. It was two and fourteen. If they think of that as a reason not to hire John Fox, they may not get Peyton Manning. But again, that's cherry picking one year. You take a step back and look but, at the. But entire there are picture. but there are people that are denigrating Dan Quinn because they went zero and five and he got fired. Well, in also his last this, is, season. this is head coach. And they're cherry picking, the, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, if you don't cherry pick, it's a great stat. And. You know that that's an that debate will rage on forever, yep. um, and we don't have time to do that today. So <laughs> I think that's going to wrap it up for us here. One last shout out to MSU Denver, our presenting sponsor uh, of this show, MSU Denver, where you uh, where students work twice as many hours as students attending any other college institution meeting. If you're looking to work a full time job and further your education, there's no better place to go than MSU Denver. What a pod! <laughs> ten out of ten from my perspective. Appreciate everyone who listened. Hit us with a thumbs up so more people can get this and get all that information that we shared about these head coaching candidates more to come uh we will be going crazy with the content uh, over the next few weeks leading up to the broncos getting a head coach and then of course we'll keep it rolling uh when they do hire a new head coach stay right here with us um actually little update for you guys starting tomorrow we will be going live at noon uh, every single day during this coaching search unless something comes up crazy that changes that but you can set your alarms uh, for noon mountain time, don't tell me about some eastern time. It's only one time zone that I uh, subscribe to. But don't forget, in Europe, we're a prime time show. Well, yeah, there you in go. Engl- in England, in Ireland, this is a 7 p.m. show. You go to the continent, France, Germany, it's 8 p.m. We are prime time on the other side of the ocean. There you go. We're, in, we're your new prime time show. Forget Yellowstone or whatever else you're watching. Yeah. Uh, tune into the DNVR Broncos <laughs> podcast. Appreciate you all for tuning in. Hit us with a like on your way out, and we'll catch you tomorrow. Flying cotton